So, <laughs> better give the economists a couple minutes to figure out the bottle before we start the show. Here. No, I think I got it now. Alright. You're gonna be able to figure it out? It is a nail in a piece of wood. It looks like a screw, but I guess it's a nail. Well, that's oh, why yeah. nail. I'm the mechanic and you're the economist. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, welcome to the uh, Financial Independence Garage, where we give you the tools to unfold the roadmap to financial independence that was a struggle <laughs> I, i'm going from memory this week wow do we give you the tools to unfold the roadmap to financial independence is it embarrassing that i don't know it well enough to call you out on it i'm pretty sure that's 90 percent correct yeah sounds right to us okay worst intro ever yeah i gotta learn to throw it off the cuff here eventually well yeah maybe next don't week. we still have how many more episodes we got? 14? 13. 13. What? This isn't seven, is it? Oh, is it only six? I think this is six. <laughs> All right. Starting off with number problems. Perfect. Uh, we're doing well tonight. All right. What are, we, uh, what are we cracking here first thing? We got the Sweet Leaf IPA, brewed and bottled in Duncan by Red Arrow Brewing Company. You going to read that? Red Ooh. Arrow. Oh, this is the Duncan uh, brewery on the side of the highway there. Hey? Some of the best things happen over a beer. Ideas are forgotten, friendships are forged, and every now and then breweries are born. This holds true for Red Arrow Brewing, which is the culmination of friendship and unbridled hop-fueled desire. Hop-fueled desire. There you go. The I have hop-fueled desire. Can you get this to work? Not so, bad. A little noisy, but yeah. Good. Well, good work. Now we got to wait for him to pour, though. Yeah. That's the we trouble with bottles. That's the, that's the bottom with the tall boys. Well, let's just uh, let's just jump right into it. Uh, you guys came up with uh, some form of entertainment to start the show that uh, you noticed news-wise. Oh, yes. We found Did a... you find this? Yeah. Okay. There's a great clip of Kevin O'Leary telling everybody why the fire movement is a stupid idea. And my favorite quote from his little, it's about a two-minute rant, is, Work defines who you are. Does it? So without it, you're all you're just hopeless. And you're, and you're gonna die early. And you're gonna die early. Yeah, he said the first time he was fire, quote unquote, he was bored and had no idea what to do. Which I mean, so Kevin, get a life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of ironic that he's uh, criticizing being fire when he himself has been fire his whole life. Well, since he's been thirty-five or whatever. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, just because he didn't know what to do with it himself. So, well, basically, I watched the clip and he said he spent two years doing nothing. Right. Yeah, I thought anybody's going to get bored doing that. I yeah, don't so. do not do nothing. Yeah, here's yeah. a clue. Don't do nothing. Right. You won't be bored. Doesn't and then he goes on to say that he's going to work until he dies and, in, and into the afterlife. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. It's quite yeah. the clip. We'll link to it in the show notes. I think it's, once again, is he's missing the point that FI gives you the, the choice of how you want to spend your time. Right. We're all going to be doing something. We're not going to call it work because it's something that we're going to enjoy doing, right? It's whatever you want. It's whatever I mean, you want. The one thing that I will say it highlights is you do need to plan for what you're going to do after you reach your goal. That is super you, important. You can't focus all your energy on getting to some arbitrary goal because then you're going to get there and go, well, now what? Yeah. There's a, to bring up another article I just thought of when you mentioned that is uh, Freedom 101. Uh, she has a great post that came out, I believe it was this week was in, recent. in the end of March here that spoke exactly about that, how they've been there. They are now fire. And at the beginning, they just weren't prepared for it for the, just, you know, they hadn't planned ahead enough and you keep right. reading that over and over again. So it's such a critical part for, to have that plan as you're going, working towards it. Yeah. Maybe have more than one idea of what you want. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. The first yeah. one might not work out. Yeah. Yeah. So how's this beer? Do we love this beer? Cheers, we haven't had Cheers. it yet. Cheers. Oh, hey, oh, we I've can clink. We didn't. Have, we don't have cans, but we can make. <laughs> yeah, okay, there we go. It's quite good. Well, since you've tried it, why don't you tell us about it? It's, it's a nice IPA. I haven't had much of the Red Arrow stuff before. I quite like this. I'm gonna be completely ruined by the fisherman's friend I just had. Hola. <laughs> <laughs> that was maybe, not a smart decision. Maybe have a mint too. Oh, I've, I've had. I got allergy. Terrible allergies this time of year, and it make, drives my throat out. Yeah. I was also up late writing a post last night, so. Yeah, very early notification. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this morning. That was quite early. And the reason that I was writing that post is it kind of fits in with the theme of the show tonight. We're going to talk what about. What are we talking about? Cars. Cars? Cars. cars. The FI Garage is talking about cares. Cares. Really? I didn't think we were ever going to talk about cars. 
No, I mean, everybody just thinks we're sitting in the garage and record, which is what we do, but we are now going to actually talk about saving some money with car ownership. We talked about this a bit before the show, and we realized it's a gigantic topic with all sorts of tangents, so we're not really sure where this is going to go, but we're going to try and throw down well, some money-saving yeah, we'll tips. Happens. Yeah. We'll see what happens. There's going to be a money-saving tip in here somewhere. <laughs> yeah, of course. You'd think one of us would come up with something useful. Yeah. Well, well, let's not get too confident of our abilities. I'll I'll start it off with saying that the reason that if you haven't read the the post yet, it's uh, at figarage.ca, and it's titled "Mechanic on Duty." And my mom's got a eighteen year old car, which she uh, can't bring herself to trade in because she she does enjoy it. But uh, unfortunately, she doesn't live close enough for me to be her number one mechanic. So I'm the number two, and I really heckle on the number one guy. I have phoned them a few times. Uh, yeah, I had a guy. Yesterday, I figured we'd save some money on an oil change, and there was a comment that she'd noticed a little bit of coolant under the car. So naturally, I'm going to investigate the issue, which I found by a broken little plastic line became a geyser of coolant, and things went a little sideways you and poked the bear yeah yeah the car's still on blocks in my driveway a couple yeah. days later and yeah i noticed that yeah the relatives are still in town it's fantastic yeah. that's good how's <laughs> how's your 97 year old grandma doing she's good she's so spry for her age is unbelievable i'm, that's so, awesome. I'm so proud of her she's she always has a we went to the uh Mary, sorry we're going way off topic here we went to Marydell cider uh cidery oh, for yeah. lunch Ooh, nice i have never been there it is fantastic oh it's delicious but my grandma was, she really liked the 19.5% apple cider stuff. Well, I guess she would. It's nice. Yeah, well, it was lunchtime. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love the, that. The All staff right. heard about it. Yeah, I digress. So uh, about the car. So anyway, we're saving some money and I'm going to do the repair for her. So one of the things that is important is that you can uh, maybe educate yourself to do some basics on the car. I mean, we can't expect everybody to get under there and change their clutch. But uh, changing the oil is pretty simple. Changing the oil is pretty simple, pretty but easy. Eh, I've lived in an apartment before too, right? So sure. they don't let you do stuff on the underground. Nope. And you know what's terrible? Canadian Tire doesn't let you work on your car in the parking lot anymore. I saw the signs up for that. This is ridiculous. So They're you... taking away all our civil liberties. Unbelievable. That was the <laughs> well, number one thing we used to do as a kid. Like you're 16, your car's going to break down guaranteed once a month. It's Canadian Tire parking lot, jack stands, and get yeah. her done. Yeah. It's not really a civil liberty. <laughs> well, it's just... Yeah. Oh. That's a fair point. Stand by. We have attackers. Okay, we are safe from attackers. This is yes. good news. Yep, thanks to the dogs. So car repairs. Uh, yeah, if you can do your, oil your own oil changes, you'll save a bunch of money. Oh, thanks. More beer already. Nice. Mm -hmm. You know, I think changing your filters... A lot of people pay a lot of money to get a cabin filter changed. It's not that hard. Neither well, is your air filter. The air filter is kind of one strap, and you yeah. lift the top off and you switch them. Right? Your technical description of it is almost perfect. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty basic. It's, it's pretty, pretty basic. Yeah. It's kind of like putting your gas cap back on. Yeah, make sure it clicks too. Right. Otherwise, you get that little light that says you've got a mass leak in your fuel system. Right. Yes. Uh, changing your battery. I don't think there's any reason why you can't change your own battery. And I'll say that Costco is probably the cheapest place to get batteries. Interesting. I haven't actually shopped for a battery out there. <laughs> Funny story, though. It costs though. you 100 bucks to shop there, though, right? Yeah. But <laughs> no, no, no. It's only 60 isn't it, for membership? I, I think know. it's, yeah, I think it's 60 you, You're going to have a buddy that's got a membership. Absolutely. Okay? So, but word of, word of advice, don't take your used battery into the Costco. But you can't go to the automotive section and get rid of your used battery first until you buy the new one. Right. So frustrating, but I'm halfway through the Costco and I'm shopping for my new battery a couple months ago and the guy's throwing me out. He's like, you, sir, you have to leave right away out this exit door here. I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, you've got a live battery in your cart. I'm like, no, this is the dead one. I'm buying a live one. <laughs> they don't want the dead battery in the store. So I got to take it back to my vehicle, go back in, buy it, then go out to my vehicle, get the used one and then go back. Anyway, uh, pain in the ass. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big waste of time. Yeah, totally. Too yeah. bad, but you're saving some money. So change your own battery. And uh, we mentioned this last week when we were talking about housing. YouTube has an absolute plethora right. of car videos. Like basically it covers almost every make and model you can find. And most of the repairs that can be, that have to be done out there. Yeah. I once tried to show my wife how to change the brakes on her Nissan Pathfinder. Right. It was entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
I bet. We're still together, and this was at least well, 15 years ago. So, yeah. <laughs> but I didn't think it, was a, it wasn't a challenge that couldn't be taken on. No. They're disc brakes. It's actually very simple. Watch a video. Now, uh, do you think, what with the new cars having a little more technology under the hood, um, is there any, any barrier to... Yeah. I think there, there's definitely going to be some more special tools required for uh, t- like testing the electronic systems. Right. Um, I will say, like, because I have a 2016 Mazda CX-5, and I pop the hood on that and am pretty lost. And over the years, I've done quite a bit of my own maintenance on vehicles, yeah. and it just, everything is put in in a way that, it's almost like they designed it so they don't want you to be able to work on it. Definitely, I would. I would like. There's some specialty tools that are needed that I don't have. It's not just your standard sockets and wrenches and stuff. It's, it's definitely more complex. But you're saying that YouTube's going to have videos on his. I would, yeah. His car coming up. Yeah, I bet they would. Look it up. I'm pretty sure they would. I mean, again, we're not suggesting that you take on super complex tasks of taking apart the electronics of the engines or the uh, control systems. It's you know, brakes haven't changed a whole lot over the years. Uh, they do all have sensors on them. You need to be aware of how to remove those. But they have made things better on some of the newer cars because the, the, the construction is a little easier to take things apart. You're right. There are a lot of special tools required. But yeah. if you got a 2016, chances are you're probably not looking at anything you're needing to do yourself for another two No, anyway. I'm, No, for sure. So why did you decide to buy a new vehicle? Because I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you us did how not save really any money, yeah. Uh, well, you know, it was uh, before I found Phi, and my wife and I were both making good money, and we owned a couple houses. And Leveled up. We decided to level up because uh-huh. our old car died, and I hated the thought of going and shopping for a used car because I didn't want to get a lemon, so we just walked onto the lot and bought a brand new car. Right. Not a good decision. No, I guess not. But once I realized I had made a terrible decision, we did very aggressively pay down the loan on it, and we paid it off in less than two years. Yeah, that's impressive. But, I mean, you made it a priority, right? Because you realized that. Were you... uh... Didn't it have some impact on your credit? You couldn't get... Yeah, I couldn't get a bank financing for another rental house because I was had the car payments on there, so my debt service ratio wasn't good enough. What what was the... um rate on the loan just out of curiosity i think it was 3.99 percent. that's pretty high like you see a lot of advertised deals like what 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 happens when you see the zero percent financing on your newest subaru so what how does that work from what i understood at least in my dealings with the people was the zero percent financing offers that you see are when you like go order from the factory (laughs) so like we bought it in partway through 2017 so the 2016 despite being new and sitting on the lot wasn't the brand new right. car like it had been sitting on the lot for however long so you get a better deal on a newer car if you're going the zero percent financing way yes interesting right but if you walk in with cash you're going to get a pretty good deal too now that's because we had the option to like i could have pulled from my line of credit and just paid cash for it right and when i was negotiating I guess they make so much money from the financing that they actually wanted you to finance and were willing to give you a better deal if you finance than paying in cash, Uh, which made no sense to me. Well, they make more money in the long run. Yeah. Theoretically. Theoretically. Because, uh... Okay, so maybe this is the hack then. As you go in, you negotiate the longest financing term you can get with the best rate and then just pay it off in six months. Could be. Yeah, that might work. it, It might not, too. Don't yeah. take that as advice. This is for entertainment purposes. Yeah, exactly. Only. Yeah. yeah. And I <laughs> Thanks have, for bringing I, that up. I, I have no idea. I mean, I don't trust sales guys. So he could have been lying through his teeth to me, right? Fair. Like that yeah. it might be completely not accurate, but what do I know? Interesting. But now you have a paid off car. Now I have a paid off that car. You're going to drive for what? 15 more years? 20, 25. Uh, you know what? I'm really curious if an, the newer vehicles can last the 20 or 25 well, years. So now that's my experiment. We take really good care of it. Yeah. All maintenance is done on time. Everything. I want to see how long this thing's going to last. Are you going to start doing the maintenance yourself? So it's still under warranty right now. Yeah. And to maintain the warranty, you have to have factory Wh- maintenance. Which is fair. Yeah. Which is fine. Um, but I think I have like a 10 year warranty. So I'm not going to be doing the maintenance on it for another eight years or something like that. I have noticed that the largest percentage of 
used cars on the market are right around the 10-year age point. Have you noticed that? Have you ever shopped for used yeah. cars? Yeah. And I it's... think that's it, right? The, the warranties have gotten so good in the last decade that they're all kind of, they kind of come due and people are like, okay, tell yeah. me rid of this one. Yeah, yeah. no more. Yeah. I'm scared. <laughs> well, I have never owned a new vehicle. I've driven a new vehicle, but it yeah. was a rental. Right. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> that my company paid for. Um, yeah, I kind of like going with the... I kind of I don't actually set myself a budget for buying a used car. Uh, sorry, I do set myself a budget. I don't set myself an age or a particular vehicle. Right. Okay. I usually go on uh, around about a ten thousand dollar price point um, that has to fit my needs, and that usually ends up being uh, six to eight years old at the time. Right. I would right. Say. Yeah. And I'm comfortable with that because six to eight years, you're usually looking around. But well, hundred to hundred fifty thousand kilometers. Sounds right. Uh, so I know some of the the hundred thousand k maintenance has usually been taken care of, and, or you look for it, too. or I look for it to not be taken care of, so you can lower the purchase right, price, right? Right. Yeah. So that's one of the really important parts about. Well, that's a nice hack if you're doing your own work, is to look for stuff that isn't done and negotiate, negotiate downwards. Down. Negotiate down. Well, it was awesome. We were buying a Nissan Pathfinder. The uh, not the one we have, one we had before. It was, a, uh, it was a 1993, and we bought it in. Well, testing my memory here, about 2003. So it was about 10 years old. Anyway, we're at the dealer in North Vancouver, and I'd I'd been reading up on this, so I know what to look for. And I get in, I fold the back seats forward, I pull the carpets up, and of course there's other people looking at this vehicle because it's right on the lot, it's nice and shiny, it's a great price. Right. You pull the seats up, pull some of the sound bearing, and I poke my finger right through the bottom of the truck. Like right <laughs> through the bottom. It's so yeah. rusted out, it goes right through, and then I push my whole fist through. <laughs> and the people, everybody else looking, left right. right away. But of course I'd read about the fix, right? You just got to you cut it out, weld a plate on the bottom. It's not structural, it was just a bad design where the water would get underneath the lip cause it to rust out right right not the end of the world but it's on a dealer lot i immediately got 1500 bucks knocked off the price yeah yeah so i rolled out of there sub 10 the truck i wanted and again being the mechanic and living at a place where we had access to that kind of equipment we got it fixed up for you know a few hundred dollars and uh, it was a big nice. savings yeah so um have you found noticed a difference between buying private or buying off a lot have, i think you've done both i've done both I'm really reluctant to buy off the lots. I just find they're not as flexible with the prices because right. they've got a bottom line that they're trying to make. They took it as a trade-in or yeah. or whatnot. And, right. and plus, I agree with the uh, accountant. I really don't like car salesmen. No, yeah. And I don't want to stereotype because well, there's lots of great guys out there and yeah. ladies. But just that feeling of that pressure, that sale, like they, that is their job to sell me that vehicle. Yeah. Well, it makes sense that maybe it doesn't even have to be a light thing. But to get the best deal, you probably want to negotiate with someone who isn't a professional at negotiation. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense, right? Yeah. Well, I am definitely not a professional at negotiation. I wish I was better, to be honest. It is one of the important things to kind of know what, you, what you're willing to pay, right? If, you, if you're looking for a used car, what do you consider is a standard offer relative to their ask price? So let's just use 10K as an ask price. Sure. For a good, easy math. Yeah. The economist walks up to an, a, a lot. Right. What do you offer? Well, I think... Assuming there's no uh, underlying problems that are discounted. Yeah. I think you want to offer based on what you feel is a good price for it. Right. So if... Say it was 10000 and you wanted to pay uh, 8 Okay. Well, let's say market value is 10 All the ones you're looking at are 10 So okay. that's the relative market value. So then you're willing to pay 9 say. So you're saying nine. So you're saying ten percent? No, I'm saying you you offer eight and hope to bracket them. Okay, so you're going twenty percent below asking. Yeah. Eight eight k. Yeah. And you're willing to come up to the nine. Right. Will you come up all the way to ten? Probably not. Okay. I mean, not if there's others on the market. Exactly. Yeah. Unless okay. it's it's the good deal that it's the if it's the best you found and it's the best price, then you pay. You should pay. Yeah. Right. It's fair. What do you think? Uh, I am not the negotiator in my family. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. When we were negotiating for the car, my wife, I had never seen a salesperson with that look on her face. They were negotiating back and forth. We came to something. He's like, well, this is the lowest I can do. And she's like, I just told you the highest I would do. And it was like a $500 spread. And he's like, well, then we won't have the sale. And she's like, fine. Walks out the door. 
Awesome. The guy was just dumbstruck, and she walks away, and we start driving away, and she gets a se- call on her cell phone. Like, come back. Yeah, we can do that. <laughs> oh, awesome. Well yeah. done. Well done. Interesting. Yeah, I'm thinking I, I'm pretty comfortable with the 20%. Yeah. You know, and I think that kind of slides with whatever price point you're in. Maybe not yeah. when you get up to 100K, but none of us are buying new no. Teslas anytime soon. And, yeah. No, I'm also going to guess that none of us could work on a new Tesla. <laughs> I have a multimeter. I am the FI garage mechanic. Is that from uh, Canadian Tire? No, no, it's a oh, nice wow. one. Yeah, oh, wow. Yeah. It has multiple you. functions. No wonder they don't let you fix the car in the anymore. <laughs> Not even giving them business. So 20% is probably a good place to start. And I think generally there's always a little bit of room for movement on any kind of price that you see advertised. Yes. You know, if you go to a private sale and they're asking that 10K, have the cash on you though. Don't try and negotiate and then tell them you're going to come back to pay. Oh, I totally agree. Right, especially you've got to have it in hand because that's a huge. Especially if you're going motiv- under. Yeah, because it's a huge motivator. Right? right, and and bring what you're willing to pay. If they won't come down to your level, then you got to go away. That's right, because right? you don't have any more money. Yeah. Well, and then it gives you the option to here's what I was willing to pay. I have it in my pocket. I'm going to have to really think about it if I'm going to go take out more money or not. Right. Yeah. And and it's great because you will think about it exactly. when you're on the way to the bank. So well, it right. gives you a, a sober second look at it, right? You'll think about it. Yeah. And then they'll they'll also go like, I just turned down uh, 8700 bucks in cash. Right. Hmm. Maybe I should give that person a call back. Yeah. So. Yeah. And those are important strategies. I think, I don't think any of us are very good at buying used cars. And I, I understand that your comment there about afraid to get a lemon. That's like people's number one fear. Do you believe, as, as a mechanic, do you believe in lemons? Well, first of all, full disclosure, I am not an automotive mechanic. No, yes. No. So I, I don't want that to be misconstrued right. that that is That's my fair. profession. Yeah. And, and my opinions here are my opinions. They're not that of a professional mechanic. I am a mechanic that fixes flying right. <laughs> equipment. So I am comfortable with mechanics, but it's an interesting one. And I think very important that if you're not comfortable with uh, identifying any problems with a vehicle, you need to either take somebody with you. I think yeah. the best thing is taking somebody with you. Yeah. Because that's even gonna... if you're comfortable, it gives you a yeah sounding board. Exactly. Uh, well, yeah, another set of eyes to look yep. and say, yeah. Yeah. you know, maybe you looked over it and you missed something, like cracked radiator hose or whatever it totally. is, right? Yeah. I think you do have to, there is a certain amount of that risk that you need to accept. And I've always got the rule that no matter what used car, because I've always bought used cars that are yeah. 10 or 15 years old, I accept the risk that I'm going to have to spend another $500 once it's in my owner, in my name. Right. I just I just go with that. I just yeah. know I'm going to do it. Because as soon as I drive for a few days, I'm going to be like, ah, this, the tires this need this. balancing. So yeah. there goes 100 bucks, right? Yeah. Or... Or, you know, the little things that the, the door light doesn't work when you close the door. It's like, well, I'll get in there and fix it. It'll, it'll cost some time. and Yeah. It, it's just something you can't... I think people's expectations are too high when they're buying a used car. It's, seems, none of yeah. them are perfect. Right. They're yeah, used. Exactly. By yeah, definition. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. So having somebody that's going to help you out and definitely taking it in for an inspection at a shop that you trust. It's worth the 100 bucks. Yeah. Absolutely, they're gonna get it on the lift, and yeah, you know, yeah. And you, do make you sure stay a, with them. Well, I was gonna say, make sure it's somewhere that's gonna show you as yeah. well. You yeah. know, when they find some rust on the muffler, get them to point it out to you. Get them to point out the issue so you can see them visually. Yeah. And if there's any kind of repair estimates, make sure you have that because now you take that back for your negotiation, right? Right. One thing I don't like is a lot of the dealerships. Well. I, Again, I'm not trying to slander any dealerships, but a used car, they'll come with a 72-point checklist. Right. Always perfect? No. No? Okay. A lot of, a lot of reputable places will have done some work to bring it up to their standard, which is right. great. I respect that. I've never yeah. bought a car off a, a lot. Yeah. So. But I've looked at the inspection sheets, yeah. and then I've actually done some of the inspection items. Yeah. And I've said, well, it's 50% brake wear, but you just put a check mark for brakes. Right. Now, I'm the, comfortable with driving off the lot with 50% wear. I, in my own head, know when they're going to be due. Yeah. But just putting a check mark there, I think, doesn't, is a little misleading. Well, it doesn't yeah. help anybody. It's, it's totally it's misleading. It's probably anywhere from 25% to 100%, right? right? Yeah. yeah. I, it's been a visual inspection, not yeah. a, a detailed measurement at that yeah. point. So 
Yeah, it's it's buyer beware, of course. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, I think you save a lot of money in the long run buying used cars. Yeah, because you're ca- you can pay cash because you're talking a lower dollar dollar value up front. Yeah, you're not going to suffer that immediate depreciation of what do you figure years depreciated off the lot. You probably drive off the I, minimum of five grand, depending well, what you're buying. Are we talking twenty percent, five percent, ten percent? Easy account. You should know the numbers. Come yeah. on. I, I think you get at least a 15 to 20% depreciation factor yeah. the minute yeah. you drive off the lot. Which is a huge problem if you're financing. Well, that's the thing. You drive off and all of a sudden your loan's more than the value of your vehicle. Right. Yeah. So now you got to fight to get back above ground. Right. And an interesting thing, too, is we talked earlier about how... <laughs> I noticed that when I'm editing, the yeah, dog shaking. I bet, I bet you did. <laughs> Thanks there, buddy. Um, yes, the FI Garage with the economist, the accountant, the mechanic, and Jake and Pedro this week. Right. <laughs> yeah. Jake and Pedro are accompanying us. So I think when you're buying a used car and you need to finance it, which not recommended, but it, you have to, it's actually going to be harder to get that money because you're going to have to apply for a bank loan. Right. I, I would, unless you're really in a tough position, financing a used car. I think it would, happens though. I yeah. mean. Hopefully, on your path to FI, you've got an emergency fund. You, you're plan- you should be planning ahead. I mean, right? you can find a car that's serviceable for a year for $500. <laughs> yeah, and you, yeah. Are, you are the expert of this. Yeah. yeah, but seriously, like, there are plenty of cars on Craigslist in your city for under $1,000 that you can drive for a year. That will get you from point A to point B, absolutely, yeah. and give you time to save up for what is really going to be your longer-term solution. Right. Okay, so I was reading an article by... Uh, uh, on the asset-based life blog here, and it's how to save money when buying a car. He talks about how a car uh, is a tool, right? And that's just exactly what you're saying there. I think. Yeah. It really doesn't matter what it is. That 500 bucks is going to get you A to B. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a tool, right? Yeah. If you're on the path to FI, financial independence, your vehicle should be a tool, or you shouldn't have one. Yeah, it should <laughs> yeah. not be a status symbol or no. Like I love cars. Don't get me wrong. Right. I've made poor decisions and to have a car that I really wanted to drive, but at the end of the day, it's just a tool. Isn't isn't that one still sitting in the garage? Yeah, it is. It's it, right there. So <laughs> the only reason it's not for sale this week is because my mother's car is blocking the driveway <laughs> <laughs> until the parts show up. Right. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Because it was going outside to get washed and sold this week. Right. And, but it's going to rain next week, so you're probably two weeks away from selling it. Yeah, I know. It's dragging on. Yeah. yeah. What do you do? Nah, there's no insurance. It's technically not costing me any money. It was paid for in cash. Right. I've had, uh, I've had it for nine years, so. Yeah. It's I will hard. also say, too, that, like, a lot of times I find people will, like, overbuy for their actual needs. Absolutely. If, if you're a single person and all you do is drive from point A to point B in the city, why buy a $10,000 car? If you're just in the city, you can get away with a lot less than that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you could ride your bike. Yeah. You could walk. Well, you could walk. I get what you're saying there. But, you know, <laughs> I like... choice of car. Yeah. Or like, even... The, so you're talking if you're in uh, in a suburb. Yeah. Or if you're 10K from work. Yeah. You don't need... You'd, a lot of car. No, like we. That need. I have an SUV because I'm down logging roads a lot of the time and out hiking and doing stuff, and I actually need the ground clearance and I need four wheel drive and, and I've got the a snow, dog that goes. In and the I back. have a dog that goes in the back. Like I actually need those features. You can just. But you yeah. see a lot of people just driving a big vehicle from point A to point B, ten kilometers down the road, and all they do is go from their house to work in the city, and they never do anything. Absolutely. Well, why have that vehicle? Absolutely yeah. makes no sense. Well. We get sold on it because it's uh, it's emotional, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it is. You know, even if you remove the uh, that people like it's a status symbol of what you drive, it's an emotional decision of what you drive because you get in, you like the way it feels, you like the way it looks. It becomes an emotional decision, not a rational decision. Yeah, and you know, you get in a new car that's got the uh, GPS and the trinkets. Yeah, yeah, right. It is more comfortable. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh. About hey, I've been in a Tesla. It's really nice not having your hands on the steering wheel and the car driving you. But it has auto drive? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's, you know, okay. I don't have any of those gadgets in my cars because I know how to drive. <laughs> I'm not saying you don't. <laughs> 
I take yeah. pleasure in driving. It's actually an activity that I enjoy. That's same with me. I wouldn't want the autopilot. I actually enjoy driving. Yeah. Well, you can't buy a car that's manual anymore. No. It costs more. Right? It costs more. Used to be less. Yeah, it used to be less. Yeah. It used to be auto was the premium. Now yeah. it's standard. Yeah. Well, all our vehicles are standard. They always have been. Right. It's just the way we roll. We d- didn't even have the option of buying yeah. standard. Well, it's interesting. When I looked, we were considering replacing the 2002 Nissan Pathfinder we currently have. And I liked some of the Subaru options, but again, it was like impossible to find it in standard. Yeah. And it kind of got to the point where it's like, okay, the Toyota Tacoma is a nice little truck. It's appropriate for our needs. To get a 10-year-old one of those in standard is definitely an option. Uh, but what a premium those demand. Yeah. Right Toyota out of my, premium. Out of my, yeah. Right? Yeah, the Toyota premium. The Toyota premium. Yeah. Those those aren't O's in the name. Those are zeros you have. <laughs> <Yeah. on>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting yeah. parched. Yeah, should I we, think uh, it's time for another beer. Should we grab the other beer out of the fridge? Yeah, yeah sounds I about right. So. What'd you find? Uh, is, I oh, found... fr- is the fridge cold enough this week? Well, yeah, it's a lot better than uh, better than it was. Yeah, okay, good. So what'd you find? I found a Devil's Elbow IPA from How Sound Brewing. Uh, that's an India pale ale. Oh, thanks. (laughs) So informative. (laughs) So in basically the best year that's ever been, 1982, uh, BC's John Mitchell and Frank Appleton pioneered one of North America's first modern craft breweries at Horseshoe Bay on BC's spectacular Howe Sound. In 96, John Mitchell helped design the Howe Sound Brewery and worked as our first brewer developing initial flavors and recipes. Known as the grandfather of craft brewing in Canada, we are very proud of John. Bold. Bold. Bold claim. Will you let me read? (laughs) (laughs) We are very proud of John's ongoing relationship with our brewery. Today we continue to brew in the craft style, producing a wide variety of ales and lagers that have garnered national and international recognition. We invite you to join us as we brew the beers we wish to see in the world. So that was kind of is there another page to that novel? <laughs> there is, because that was just about the brewery and the history. The, the actual beer we're drinking. Uh, works up a thirst. Yeah. A well-balanced English-style IPA with a smooth, citrusy hop finish, brewed with barley, hops, water, and yeast. Oh, there That's you go. That's a little shorter and sweeter. That's nice. Now, have you guys actually been to the House Sound Brewery? I do like the House Sound Brewery. It's very nice. It is a great pit stop on the way to Whistler. It's great. So we were in... The bus I take doesn't always stop there, though, because oh. I don't drive my car. We're talking about... It's a car show. Right. Yeah. Right. You should drive your car. Kidding. I drive my car. Well, <laughs> I was up in Squamish and we were out camping in the middle of the winter and doing some skiing. And we realized that if we left our tenting spot right then and there, we could get down to House Sound Brewing and they have a, like a hostel above it. Oh. And we could stay there and drink all night rather than sleeping out in the snow. And we immediately skied out. Smart she move. needed to do that research before. Yeah. yeah. Well, a smart move though. It, it was. was. It was a good yeah. play. There's a little left. This is definitely dark like an English ale. Yeah, this is nice. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah. Hey, no computers have been harmed this week. That is true. Yeah, wait for it. (laughs) Just what I I need. This one's got a very toasted nose. You notice that? I like the other one better. Yeah. It was a quick decision. Yeah. Yeah, I think the red arrow was better. You know, I I tried. Everything's better in Duncan. That's their town motto, isn't it? No, no. City I of don't totems. think so. Oh, yeah. No, it, that, yeah. it used to be. Is it still? Uh, they've got the biggest hockey stick in Canada, don't they? They do. No, they got beat out. Somebody made one that was 20 feet longer. Uh, that's, that's just terrible. rude, isn't it? Yeah, it was literally just <laughs> a shot across the rude. brow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I had this. You know, the best part about these House Sound beers is uh, well, you'll be able to see the picture on the website. But they, they have the flip top resealable. They're one liter bottles. So I look at these as a long-term investment because this is what our, the homebrew goes in. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I bought that one. And technically, this is only worth 10 cents. Right. It's worth way more than that when you fill it with homebrew. <laughs> right? Uh, oh, speaking of 10 cents for returns, uh, I heard an amazing stat on the radio the other day. There are 100,000 unreturned drink containers in British Columbia every day. Wow. That's... that's- a lot of money. Yeah, it sure is. I mean, and a lot of trash. But think about the gas you'd have to burn to get it. I think there was a Seinfeld episode where they loaded up a cube van in one state. Yes. And drove it to a state that yes. had a return. Yeah. There it yes. is. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that kind of fit into the car show yeah. thing. There you pretty go. Pretty good. Pretty good. 
that's one thing we're not going to get into tonight. I think we'll explore that on another show about using your vehicle to earn money. Right, yeah. And and extrapolating the costs out on that because we're going to need to do a little bit more analysis on that. Sure. Yes. But, it, but it's interesting. It's yeah. really interesting. And I'd whether like... you actually earn money or not. When yeah. You take on yeah, those tasks, exactly. Right? Oh, yeah. we are yeah. going to tackle that. Yeah. Absolutely. I wanted to throw down a few articles that uh, people are going to find helpful here before we sort of continue on. I need to get a bit more beer in me first. So pretty typical. Yeah. Hmm. Right? I was thirsty. That was a long time waiting. Okay. So our buddy over at Ninja Budgeter. Uh, it's ninjabudgeter.com. I'm just going to list off a few articles. They'll be in the show notes. He's got uh, 15 simple car maintenance tips to save you money. Sounds good. That's the next one here. How to buy a new car, brackets, without getting screwed. That's one right. of my favorites. That's, that's yeah. always the goal, isn't it? That's the accountant's favorite one so far. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how to get the most money when selling a used car. Right. We're going to talk a little bit about that in a minute here. Yeah. Uh, just one more is 13 simple ways to tell if a used car is a terrible deal. We didn't quite go into this, so I do want to just explore that a little sure. bit more because we talked about buying used car yeah. and how to make a deal for a used car. Yeah. There's definitely things that you want to look out for, right? That people may be trying to hide right. some underlying issues. Sure. Know? Power washing the engine bay. Hmm. Yeah. Can't see any leaks, can you? A little soap. Yeah. Yeah. A little soap. Um, I like what Ninja Budgeter did here. He actually pulled a bunch of people uh, through Twitter and and asked for their opinions. And I thought there were some really good ones here, you know, about if the seller doesn't want to ask any question, answer any of your questions and he's kind of uh, elusive, he's cagey, uh, that might be a red flag. Sure. Um, definitely history of the car, if they don't have any kind of repair history. Um, then they didn't do repairs. <laughs> you have to assume, you, right? You, can ha- you have to assume repairs have not been done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if if there's no repair history, because th- in my mind that is probably the single most uh, important thing. Um, maybe they're reluctant to let you take a test drive. Like, oh no no no, you don't need to go on the highway. You know, this yeah. This will be fine. That's right? happened to me before. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's totally happened. Yeah. Or they expect you to do like a thirty second round the block test right. drive. Yeah. It's like well, or even coming them coming with you when you test drive. You know. Yeah. That I do, though. Do you? Like, yeah, you can do whatever you want to the car within the bounds of legality right. and reason. Yeah. But you are you are driving away my car. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm, like, I, I'm the same way. I'm not just going to let you go take no. a test drive. I mean, I have had people do that. You're not really risking anything. If your car gets stolen, you're trying to sell it anyhow. You get an insurance claim. <laughs> I mean... Really? <laughs> only only the economists would think that way, right? Yeah, that's like true. The, I mean, risk, the risk adjusted. Yeah. yeah. He makes a point. I mean, they're not going to steal your car. One would hope. Right? You have their phone number. True. They're true. not They're not going to steal your car. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Uh, so we wanted to... Uh... I had a couple questions. Um, yeah. So maintenance, you know, you have to expect something's coming up, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. When you have an old older car. Okay. Um, do you do anything to, is that your emergency fund? Yeah. Do you do budget you, for that? Budget, like like you said around a hundred thousand K. So if we're buying a vehicle at 80, do we need to know that we've got about 20,000 K before we're going to put a thousand bucks into it? Or I think it'd be probably wise to be, it, it could be money that's going into your emergency fund that you may earmark. Right. Right. Um, I would say. I think that's how I do it. Yeah, hundred bucks a month. Yeah, yeah, that, that seems pretty reasonable. much cover you for any uh, repair within an, a twelve month span. Yeah, I know there are things that happen that cost more than twelve hundred bucks, and that's why you have your emergency fund. Right, right. But if you've done your due diligence and you've had the car inspected, you may have anticipated maintenance coming up. Like you, for your example, the hundred thousand k timing belt job, which involves it's usually an eight hundred dollar right. to depending where it gets done. But Actually, yeah. it just came to mind, a buddy uh, has an electric car. Oh, yeah. And I guess one of the components failed. I bet that's pretty expensive. Yeah, eh? the part's 5000 Wow. So, Ooh. Yeah, if you're driving an electric car. That, that fuel savings yeah. just went yeah. out the window. Right? Yeah. Now, I understand that the electric cars are powered at each wheel. Okay. So couldn't he have just driven with three <laughs> motors working for a while? <laughs> uh, he said he couldn't get it to the... He had to have it towed, so... Really? Uh, yeah. I, yeah. There's going to be a whole new yeah. bracket of problems with these electric cars right. that we have not seen yet. Yeah. Right. So. And the new cars too, with all the sensor technology that's on them. Right. I think, you know, I, 
I have cars that are from the 2000s where they were starting to get heavy into the, the sensors for everything. And it is my number one snag that I fix is an ABS light that won't go out or the right. check engine light that won't yeah. go out. Yeah. Right. And don't freak out when you see those lights. I mean, get the them. car's not going to no. blow up. Yeah. Get them checked out. But, yeah. you know, there's other ways than just going to the dealer to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you can buy your own scan tool and it literally just plugs in like a, a plug in a wall. Right. I don't think we ever want to go to the dealer, do we, for repairs? Unless you're under maintenance. Unless it's under maintenance and it's for warranty. If you, yeah, uh, not not going to advocate the dealer, but um, make sure they're pretty steep. But they're going to be reputable. Right. They've got a reputation to uphold. So if you're going to go somewhere else, make sure you've done your due diligence that they are trustworthy and that they're competent on the type of vehicle. That's a good point. Yeah, points. Yeah, that's very true. So you may you may weigh weigh in your favor to go. Oh, my Mazda is only two years old. No point taking to uh, Johnny D's shop down the road. Right. That it only fixes, works on... Yeah, 20-year-old cars. Yeah. You know. So, well, I, go ahead. I was going to say that I've been wondering what, because there's so many electronics in our new car. Like, the back of the vehicle isn't even designed for you to be able to see out of it because there's a backup camera. But yeah. what happens when my backup camera fails? Oh, you're going to have to start right? using like, your neck again. Well, but <laughs> the thing is, is the sight line out the back is so bad yeah. that, like, because the first six months we had it every like i wasn't used to having a backup camera yeah so i just always turned around and then i'm like i can't see you anything. got the, you got the model that didn't come with the side went the mirrors hey on the sides i didn't pay for that upgrade <laughs> <laughs> you remember, hey i remember having a car that only had one mirror on the side yeah yeah that's how old i am passenger side uh no it's <laughs> the driver's side <laughs> you may have knocked off your driver's side mirror <laughs> that, like that nissan that you it, bought <laughs> it didn't come with one <laughs> so uh i guess yeah. what we're saying is if you budget a thousand bucks or so a year for a late model car i think you're pretty safe yeah i mean it's so hard to say right yeah yeah the problem like as the cars get newer and there are more electronic sensors <laughs> i've found that unfortunately even at the dealer their system of troubleshooting is is now plug in with a laptop or right. their their equipment and it'll give you a list of sensors that are potentially at fault right so kind of the old school way of troubleshooting is out the window yeah. and they kind of just have to plug and play and it's not often they plug and then when it doesn't work they put your old one back in because mm-hmm. a lot of time it's labor to get it put in there it's just not cost effective right. to pull it out so you, you're repair bill kind of slowly creeps up until yeah. they've actually solved the problem because you've got three new sensors when only one was broken right. yeah i've seen it yeah yeah interesting so yeah i think it's again the internet is such a great resource for everything yeah even if you get a quote or you've got to take your vehicle in and they give you a give you a list a breakdown of what it's going to cost do a little research online yeah plug in the problem that you're having you know the half an hour that you spend doing that research is going to save you a lot of money in repairs over the long term right? well and that's another advantage of buying used is if you buy brand new and the car has some major defect or problem with it you might not know that when you buy it whereas if you're buying a car that's 10 years old oftentimes you know i know that i think there was a certain model in nissan where it was like the the common fault yeah like the common fault just yeah. at fifty thousand k the clutch is going to blow up yeah and you just could then know that yeah. and you know oh either it's been replaced or it hasn't so yeah. either the problem's been like i have a 2004 f350 and it's like the you needed to redo all the bolts oh yeah otherwise it, you were going to crack the piston and everything so if you haven't done the erg delete you know that truck's going to be a problem but if it's been done you know it's going to be fine I'll, I'll post the picture on this uh on this podcast page we bought a 2004 volkswagen jetta wagon diesel yeah and you got me when you said the EGR delete. We won't get into what that is exactly, but basically in a diesel, especially with stop and go driving, there's a lot of carbon buildup. Yeah. And I'll post a picture because I took this thing apart and the opening for the air, which is very important yeah. for an engine to run, is supposed to be about three or four centimeters across. It was down to the size of my pinky. It was like one centimeter. I have no idea how that car was running, sucking through a straw. Was that as soon as you bought it? As soon as I bought it. Yeah. I'd read about it. I knew it was uh, going to be something I had to do. Right. Again, like I said, expect to have to do yeah. something right away. Yeah. But it vastly improved our uh, fuel economy as soon as it was done, right? Right. So I have another question for you guys. I don't have a car right now. 
Yeah, but smart. When, yeah. when I did... He's the most car responsible <laughs> of all of us. <laughs> I didn't uh, pay for uh, collision insurance. Mm. Do you guys pay for collision insurance? I do. Yeah. I do as well. I, I'll fix just about anything mechanical, but bodywork is not my thing. Yeah. Right, no, but you know it's a bad deal, right? Well... What, have you thought of self-insuring? Well, that's an interesting one too, yeah. yeah. Uh, did you read the post about that, the one I sent you? I think so, a, a few oh, months ago. I hate when I reference posts that I don't yeah. remember the name. Because yeah. <laughs> it, it's about 500 bucks a year-ish collision. Does that sound right? Well, so interesting question because I just reinsured the uh, the Nissan Pathfinder that we have. Right. Um, this article I'm going to find here that we referenced is I changed my deductibles. D- right. I cranked them right up. Yeah. I didn't even know you could get a $2,000 deductible. Really? Like, your car's got to be worth some coin if you're yeah. willing to pay two grand to get it fixed. Because they generally write them off, you know, yeah. at a certain point. Anyway. So what, you didn't go to two grand? No. I was like, well, let's go to a thousand. Right. Okay. Yeah. But the overall cash savings for that one year of insurance, yeah. I don't think it was worth it to go because I was at 300, which is the lowest. Yeah. And then I went to a thousand. The risk reward... I don't know if, like, if you live in a city, the risk reward of you accidentally causing an accident where you would need that collision coverage. Yeah. I I don't know. That's a tough call. But how many times have you caused an accident? Never. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I know know the chances of you causing one isn't zero. Yeah. But is it, you know, is it more than 10%? So do you carry the comprehensive? I think you have. Do you have? No, you don't have to carry it's optional as well. Yeah, you're right. The last time I didn't. Cause... I've only ever made comprehensive claims because right. broken windshield or somebody's broken into the car. Yeah. Things like that, right? Yeah. Well, and when we go to yet another advantage of older used cars, right? The new car, I want the collision and comprehensive because mm-hmm. I care more. But right. like, if I'm driving an old beater, and some da- body damage happens, I don't care. So why would I? I don't have to pay. I can save right. that insurance cost yeah if it's if it's worth your while but i also think that's one of the things where's peace of mind gets comes into play a little bit there absolutely but i think what the accountant's saying is if you have a two thousand dollar car if you have some damage that's over three hundred dollars do you really care yeah probably not yeah i mean a scrape on your bumpers thousand bucks these right days. exactly yeah your Are car you doesn't. Fix that? if your car's worth two thousand bucks the scrape on the bumper isn't going to depreciate at a thousand bucks no. Right. Uh, it's no. still going to be worth 2000 bucks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. I mean, I, yeah, I get the math here. Hey, don't wreck your own car. Well, right. there you go. Be, be conscientious. Have some confidence in yourself. Yeah. Come on. Co- yeah. <laughs> I want to find that self-insurance uh, article there, uh, but I'm struggling. So we'll, mm. we'll find it after and put it in the show notes. But basically, yeah. he's, he said along the same lines as the money that you save on your annual premiums by raising those limits or eliminating right. them put that money to work for you yeah and i've had a 24 five year driving career without having to claim on it that money could have been working those years right and if i had a claim i would have the cash to you pay could probably myself. buy a new car i could have definitely right buy yeah it. absolutely yeah. and that's fair that's a fair point yeah so another thing i wanted to ask you mr mechanic <laughs> is how do i know when it's time to get rid of my car <sighs> You know, when is it that time to actually bite the bullet and say, okay, this is going to cost me more in repairs than just getting rid of it and buying a newer? I'm going to chime in here. Before you have to get a wrecker to drive it to the scrapyard. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> that, okay. That did not happen on my I did not get rid of my last card that quick. I right. I was trying to get rid of the gas in the tank. Did, did you hear his last car? Mm-hmm. He's like... Yeah, the engine got really loud. Do you mind checking it out? <laughs> he comes over, and I heard him coming from like a block away. He pulls up, and I'm out there, and I'm just like, ah, ah, and just waiting for a piston to come right through the hood of the car. It was knocking so badly. I, it's like the bearings had completely disintegrated in the bottom end, and everything was just like sloppy. It was like a bag of marbles yeah. in there. And I was like, you should not be driving that thing. But he was determined to get every drop out of the last tank of gas. He knew it was done, but it's like, yeah. there's gas in there. I'm driving it. I need to burn that gas. Yeah. So it left you on the side of the road uh, kind of kind of yeah you, I, knew, you knew it was time. i had to start it seven times to get it <laughs> off the road <laughs> uh, so before that is a good time to get rid of before that okay. now to be fair that wasn't a car that you'd owned for a long time and it was a lack of maintenance on your part that 
got it to that to that stage. No, no, it was a it was a cheap it, it was a disposable car. Right. Yeah. If there's such a thing. It yeah. it got run low on oil once and clearly. Yeah. <laughs> And some things happen. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. So. <laughs> so how do you know? Well, that is a really, really tough question. I think the thing to look at for me, one thing to consider is the market value of that vehicle. Right. Right. If you've had a car for 15 years and it's worth, now it's worth two grand. Well, it's kind of, it's, it's bottomed out on depreciation. It really doesn't go much below that. No. If it's got, if you're expecting problems or you're looking at a mileage point where you're going, yeah, I'm going to start to see some things, get rid of it for that. You know, it's kind of, you know what you're going to get for it. Yeah. Right. At, at, at that, I think at that point is when you're comfortable, when you become uncomfortable driving it. Yeah. That would make sense. Actually. That's well, a good way to put it. I look it. at it as like, as the, um, value of the vehicle passes through $5,000 as it gets older mm-hmm. and higher mileage, that's sort of that critical stage where you're now you could be facing a $1,500 repair for a $4,000 vehicle right. or $3,000 vehicle and it's 50% of its value. Right. You're going to have a hard time deciding whether you should go ahead with that repair or not. Yeah, that's and, a good point. And you're going to end up in a position where you're almost compelled to do the repair so the car can be sold for the $3,000 right. or you have to sell it for the $1,500. Yeah. So I think that's for me sort of what Or dictates. you try and drive it through the repair to the scrap heap. <laughs> that's always an option. Yeah. They don't give you much. To, well, no. hey, you could part it out. Right. I mean, if you got yeah. property, have you got space? We all know the bigger, you know, the farm properties and that, they've all got all yeah. sorts of old cars sitting around. No, that's true. I'm going to tell you right now, Mrs. Accountant would not be happy if I had a broken down <laughs> car on our front lawn that I was parting out. You know, we could use a swing in that backyard gate there. Forget your garden suite. We put a bunch of used cars in there. It's the downtown city. There is lot. a swing in that back gate. That's perfect. I built it in. Yeah. yeah. She wouldn't like a bunch of cars wrecked in there? No, I think I'd rather build the garden suite and get some rental income so we're not talking about used car parts as a side hustle no no we are not (laughs) it's actually good money in it i bet there is so have you sold cars never you've always (laughs) you haven't yeah yeah of course i have okay i hate selling cars it's the worst experience the worst isn't it and by sell cars i mean ones that you've driven as your your everyday car yeah where are you going with this well, I just want to know, like, you aim for to sell it around five thousand, um, for five thousand dollars. Okay, I think for me it's a little bit different because I'm really not afraid to tackle uh, any of the right. bigger repairs that come up. Yeah, but I think a reasonable number is somewhere around five or less because you inevitably you're going to be faced with that difficult decision. Right. So if there's nothing wrong with it and things are okay and it's worth five or less. It may be time to consider getting your money out of that, adding a couple grand more to it, and getting back up to the un- sub ten, but eight to ten thousand dollar range. That's going to give you another five years of driving before right. that one gets to the five thousand. Well, and and it's kind of a smart turnover, right? A lot of people buy the newer vehicle, drive it for four years, and then turn it over. Well, you can do the same thing with a used vehicle. Mm-hmm. You just need to be a little more conscientious with how that price slides down, and it's slower, which is. A good thing. Yes. Well, and just thinking about that, if you buy, say, a ten thousand dollar car and you get ten years out of it and it's worth five, yeah. and you sell it, well, I just paid five hundred bucks a Which year. Which is excellent because I kind of usually figure on about a grand a year in depreciation. Yeah, a lot of right. times. Yeah. So if you can do better than that, that's pretty darn good. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, if you buy a car, you know, a ten thousand dollar car, and you are diligent with the maintenance, you're not going to have that big a problem for those five or ten years. Right? Yeah. You know, so yeah, I think for me that's, it's a kind of a subjective question. Yeah. When you ask that, when should you sell your car? Right. I think most people decide to sell their car when they don't like it anymore and they want something newer. Right. You know, this is the yeah. FI garage. We're not really going to advocate that. No, no, of course not. Absolutely no. If not. If it still yeah. works fine, it's a tool for I mean, A to B. I think for me the question is, do I sell it or do I wait till it? Absolutely to explodes. No longer can can be fixed. I right? I don't like. I don't really advocate running it into the ground. I know some people use that terminology. I'm going to run this right into yeah. the ground. Yeah. It's a lot of wastage. Oh, yeah. Right? That yeah. car now becomes virtually unusable or uneconomical. We, in the air, aircraft business, we call it BER, beyond economical repair. Right. Right? But if you'd sold that car mm-hmm. to a backyard mechanic, 
Right. For sure, he would have gotten gotten it running, done those repairs, and either kept it or then sold it as a better used car. Right, but eventually every car is going to become beyond economic Yeah, repair. sometimes I wonder where they all go. Yeah. <laughs> they There's a put, big stack of s- them on the Malahat yeah, there. Yeah, they get squished yeah. into little they cubes. Yeah. 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 yeah, so. Melted back down. Yeah. it It's going to come down to, you know, and it, I think it changes if you live in a city, you live in the country, right. a rural setting. What kind of driving knowledge, you're doing. What kind of driving you're doing. Yeah, it, it's really a comfort thing, too. How comfortable are you that it's going to get you where you need to go, and if it doesn't, how comfortable are you with dealing with the situation? Well, that's that's a good point. That's pretty fair, yeah. Could you do a 1,000-kilometer road trip in said car safely? Right. If and the answer is no, you, I think I would get rid of it. You want to get rid of it? Yeah. Yeah. I think you've driven some cars that I wouldn't have taken on a 1,000-kilometer road trip. Yeah, but I took them on the road trip, so. Yeah. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> Wasn't that the Toyota Celica in his article? Yeah. That one, that one was the one that died. Yeah, yeah. that was the one. Yeah. Right. So I've had to change a timing belt on the side of the road. Yeah. That was exciting. That's impressive, I yeah. think, isn't it? Well, it was when I was a lot younger. Was it a chain or a belt? No, it was on a Volkswagen Rabbit. Okay. And uh, I couldn't afford the tow, was basically what it boiled down to. Right. So it sat there. I came back with the tools, jacked it up, and did it right there yeah. on the side of the road. Luckily, it wasn't a Canadian Tire parking lot these days. Yeah. <laughs> they would have a book at me. Yeah, yeah. they would have been horrified. But I really have been fairly lucky with left on the side of the road type stories. Yeah. Um, well, I yeah. yeah it's, I guess this past one, but we all we all hear about them. But yeah. I don't see that many cars on the side of the road. I've I've had that experience. Yeah. 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 And yeah, it's not the end of the world, right? No, you call a tow truck and you it sucks, but you yeah. deal with it. Yeah. One of the things I wrote. Uh, so we've been writing our articles about what's in our wallet. Oh, we're jumping up. We're going recent posts again. (laughs) I know, I know. I just want to say that my credit card has a um, roadside assistance coverage built into it. Really? Yeah. So it's like... So you don't need BCA? So you don't need BCA anymore. Save 100 bucks a year. Don't even get me started on BCA. I had the longest discussion about getting my two-wheel vehicle insured today ever. It was unbelievably painful. Two-wheel vehicles are a topic for tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah, that's beyond the scope of this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I will admit to having too many wheels <laughs> in our household. Yes, that's fair. But the two-wheels vehicle in the summer here is fantastic. It saves you a lot on gas. And it lit- it is 50cc, so we're not talking like a big gas color, useless, uh, yeah. useless bike. Anything else we want to say about... There's lots more, but let's leave it at that. and we'll, Leave uh, it at that, and let's move on to the uh, stupid money move. Oh, I to- almost forgot. We've been talking about cars. It's like they're almost a stupid money move right into them- unto themselves. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a valid point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, what'd you have? Well, I said that this week's stupid money move was leasing a car. I've done oh. that. <laughs> <laughs> I have I, not done that. I, I have not either. I can attest that it was a stupid money move. And I did not make it to the end of the lease. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of them come with kilometer limitations. If you drive over that, you get huge penalties. At the end of them, generally, the buyout value is not what the actual value of the vehicle is. They charge you financing fees. There's a whole whack of stuff that you get ripped off on. One of, at the time, I was self-employed and young and not knowledgeable about the situation but one of the reasons that i elected to lease was that i could write the lease payments off yes so now what do you have to say about that as an accountant (laughs) that is true you can write the lease payments off but you could also just give yourself a vehicle allowance if you record, so if you're self-employed and it's not within a corporation and it's just personal and this is going to get way too frickin' technical. No, I love uh, it. I love is it. if you're self-employed, you can track the kilometers that you've driven for. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> uh, you can track the kilometers you've driven for work as opposed to the total kilometers you've driven and then write off that percentage of your gas maintenance, you know, Ownership costs, all that. Can you do a per kilometer write-off? You can do that if it's in a corp. Oh, not as a person. Yeah. Okay. Basically, you're saying there's not a huge tax advantage to leasing. 
is probably the same as zoning. It's not huge. I mean, there's a slight one, but it's not worth it in how much actual money leaves your pocket. Right. I also haven't looked at the leasing rules in a few years because I'm not in that side of things at the moment. So it sounds like what I'm hearing is you really have to know your legalese and fine print. And it's a stupid money move if you just think that it's... You always see it advertised that you can lease it for several hundred dollars less than what your purchase payments would be every month, right? Right. That's what attracts you. Hey, I can get into this lease. But there's a reason for that because over the same term, you're left with a balance owing at the end. But can't you just say, hey, look, I can afford, well, (laughs) no, you shouldn't be spending $300 a month to purchase a vehicle, but hey, I can afford the $300 payments in five years. I just get another vehicle. Yeah. I mean, and so you've eliminated the maintenance headaches. You've, right. you've constantly got a newer vehicle. Yeah. You're basically renting for life. Exactly. Which is a stupid money move. Right. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, exactly. But that is the attraction. Am I yeah. wrong? Yeah. You're renting a vehicle for life. Yeah, exactly. And that's which why is it's incredibly a, stupid. It's a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's that's the thing is if, if you are a sole proprietor and you own the vehicle and you keep a detailed mileage log, you can still write off a good chunk of your mileage costs that are related to work. Right. You can't take the, I think it's 58 or 54 cents a mile claim, but like you can keep detailed receipts of all your gas, all your maintenance, any interest payments on a loan, anything like that. And say you drove 10,000 kilometers in a year and 5,000 of, 5, of them were for work. Well, you can claim 50% of those against your business expenses. Can you just draw me up a quick spreadsheet on that? I'm having <laughs> trouble picturing. I could probably numbers. spreadsheet it for you. Yeah. It would not be that hard. Question then, as far as lease or purchase, say you need a work vehicle, like a, not, not just a commuter vehicle that you're talking about, but a truck for work purposes, right? Now we're talking bigger dollar stuff. So say you're looking at $80,000 to get into a, a work truck. At that point, would the lease numbers make more sense over a five-year period? Because well, the that- depreciation of that asset, you're going to have to write down in your business too, right? that depends though now are we at a point like are you talking a commercial vehicle because if you're just buying a, an well, eighty thousand dollar if it's a one ton really you... nice one but you can get a 120 ton for 20 grand that can do the work so why are you buying an eighty thousand dollar one yeah. that's a terrible <laughs> that's, idea that, yeah fair no fair exactly yeah. i agree and it'll yeah. do the work for five years right exactly yeah so and that like it's a whole different story if you're talking about like if you own a bus company and you're leasing or buying like commercial vehicles on that scale there's a whole different cost-benefit analysis that no one on this podcast cares about <laughs> yeah. that you would have to run. Have you heard about Truro? T-U-R-O? Turo. Turo. I've used it. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah. I don't want to get too sidetracked here, but I've heard of people purchasing, well, purchasing or leasing a fleet of vehicles to self-rent. Right. Does the lease not make more sense then? I'm sure then you have a whole business case, though. We're not... To- Right, That's, as an individual. As, as an, an individual, individual, a lease is never going to make sense. There are commercial space where a lease makes sense. Right. Really? Yes. So there's two sides to this coin. <laughs> there are two sides really, to this coin. Really, there's only one side. There's only one but side. But we're not talking about... <laughs> this isn't the... Like financial independence for corporations show. I'm trying to get the spin going. Uh, You're killing me. (laughs) Well, before we go, I want to get this quoted because I had such a laugh. We always like to plug our buddy there. Uh, Did you see his April Fool's joke on Mr. Money Mustache? How he sold his website for nine? Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, he he had me for like the first two paragraphs. I know. There's no chance. (laughs) Anyway, he's got a great quote in here when we brought up uh, talking about work vehicles and work trucks. Uh, So the quote here is. from his article says, now don't get me wrong, not every work truck is a money-burning rolling clown circus with a 24-7 fireworks show shooting out of its roof telling the world how dumb you are. <laughs> Only about 99% of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, such great quotes. Yeah, that's good. We'll, uh, we'll link that uh, article to the podcast here as well. Um, recent posts? Well, you wanted to jump in with something about Oh, your roadside assistance in your wallet. Oh, that's, that's okay. That's a nice. No, no, it's good. Well, well, so, we're it's an ongoing. Yeah, we're waiting uh, for one more post about yeah, what's in our wallet. The myself and the mechanic both uh, put out what credit cards were 
We're running in our wallet. And, and why? And, and apparently it got turned into a contest, which was not my intention. But. <laughs> well, and I've lost the contest because I have one credit card and it's not that great. <laughs> All right. Well, you tell us that in that article. That one's coming yeah. out. I wrote the one about fixing I think my I, mom's car. Didn't I post right. it? I think I wrote it. You haven't posted it yet. And I, I believe it's been written. You wrote one about the cars you've owned, which ties in well with this. Right. So I yeah. think I might have to do one of those too because I got Yeah, some, it was fun. I got some car stories. I had to remember hard. <laughs> yeah. For a couple of them. I had yeah. a Pontiac Firefly. Nice. 1982. I was supposed to have a Pontiac Firefly. I wish I still had it. So I I was going to get one when my grandmother turned 70 cuz she wasn't going to drive after that. She drove till she was 80. And it something. was probably mint garage capped. Oh yeah. Like 40,000 yeah. K on it, That's right? right. Freddie. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> What is it with naming your cars? The Scotsman names his car, too. Yeah, he does. Yeah. yeah ridiculous. Yeah. I had a great one. My dad thought a Saturn was at the end of its lifespan, so he gave it to me. And then I thought it was at the end of its lifespan, so I gave it to a buddy. This was in 2007, but he still <laughs> drives it. Nice. <laughs> like, there's your ultimate hack. I gave yeah. him the car, and he's been driving it yeah. for like 10 he plus should, years. He should probably give you a couple bucks or buy you a couple beers. Yeah, right? That's impressive for a GM product. I'm going to throw that <laughs> out Yeah, there. well... Yeah. You're not wrong. Yeah, so. All right. What do you uh, say? Do this again tomorrow? Yeah, going to have to try, I guess. Yeah, considering everybody's freaking out of town. Cars part two? Yeah, I, I think. Why don't we talk about transportation or something? Like alternatives. Alternatives to cars? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll get into making money with your car? Sure. Hey, if you're not driving your car, let somebody else drive it. Until they crash it and Until burn everything. It. And then you don't have that collision deductible anymore. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, well, uh, good talk. I think we covered a few things here, and uh, catch you on the next show. Yeah. Farewell. Good night.